Welcome to Chieftain Roll Call. It's presented by Easton Water Solutions, and it's put together by the Chieftain Backers, a new club this school year at Bell Fountain City Schools, Bell Fountain High School specifically. We do our show from the WBCS studio, and Rick Reed's with me. Rick is a longtime teacher and coach. I'm Bill Tipple, and we say Happy New Year. As always, Rick talks uh, sports in general, then we'll get more specific a little bit later with Bell Fountain Girls basketball team with head coach Megan Ashcraft and a couple of players. Rick, Happy New Year to you and Jolice and the kids. Yeah, you too. I know you watched the Buckeye game on New Year's Eve. <laughs> a heartbreaker. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts. The Bucks lost to Georgia 42-41. Ohio State led probably about 95% of that game clock, but they come up just short. Just your uh, overall thoughts on the game. Well, you know, I think there was a lot of doom and gloom um, about the program following the Michigan loss. And, you know, maybe other people don't agree with me, but I think they – turn the tide on that a little bit. I think that Michigan losing to TCU, which you could say doesn't really matter, but it does. And then us showing that we were every bit as good as Georgia, if not better, and which would arguably be the best team. We're arguably the best team in the country, uh, certainly on our best days. And I thought Ryan Day did a good job of kind of uh, bouncing back. Uh, You know, he's taking a lot of heat after that Michigan game and, Thought he coached his best game um, as the Ohio State head coach. Thought he was aggressive. I thought the play calling was was strong. Thought he made a lot of good decisions, and you know, it just didn't happen. It's um, everybody's always looking for answers, and yeah, there's plays, and no doubt, and there's people that you can blame. But at the end of the day, to me, it was a great football game that somebody had to win, and four or five plays go against the Buckeyes. It seems like you know, towards the second half, late in the second half, and that was kind of the story well the other thing is and this is typical from Ohio State fans they want answers but sometimes you have to tip your hat to the other team too and what I mean by that is in the fourth quarter Georgia made a lot of really impressive plays if they don't make maybe even one of those plays they don't win the game so you have to give Georgia some credit you can tell by watching their program that's used to winning and they've been the best team in college football the last 18 months overall now the, the sad part for me is or the frustrating part for me is which I have many questions for you as always is that I think Ohio State um, may have been the better team that night. It was debatable, but certainly did enough to deserve, deserve to win the game, Kirby too. Kirby Smart thought so. Yeah, he, said it after the game. Yeah. So they did enough to win the game. And you're, you're the, the coach, so you bring in the coaching perspective, which I don't have. But there are, um, you know, when the, the coaches get so questioned in, in that profession, especially at that level, Day was off the hook because I think first he coached to win the game offensively. I yeah. brought that up on our last show. Um, even though he lost the game, I thought he, he called a really good game offensively. But the coach that's kind of maligned right now is Jim Knowles. He's a very highly paid assistant. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but, boy, it just seems like whenever the last two games when Knowles goes uh, man zero, and you can speak to the technical part of this better than me, basically man-to-man defense with no, no deep help, the other team is like a, a piranha seeing, seeing uh, blood. I mean, you know, if it can go wrong, it can go wrong. Uh, Lathan Ransom, who's a very good player, gets his feet tangled up, and 10 seconds later, there's a touchdown. Now, that's cover one, I'm pretty sure, and I haven't gone okay. back and okay. watched it other than that night. I believe they're in man-free there, but the reality is I think that's the that's the outside receiver, right? So that one highs, I think he's, you know, maybe even halfway to the other side of the field. It was to the left, left side offensively, if you're looking right. behind center. Slot receiver, though. Oh, it was a slot? Yes. Yeah, see, my my memory, that's a little uh, hazy. Yeah, I want to know where that one high was. I felt like we we said that at the time, 
and that I don't think they were in zero, but they definitely played again. Now they played less man, I thought, and they again did. that's without me going back. But on that it. one play, I'm saying that, that play. Um, yeah, he's taking criticism of why in man in that situation in general, whether it's one or zero. You've got a two-score lead. 11 at that point point, lead. 11 points. What, there's eight minutes to go maybe? Nine, ten, eleven? Eight. Okay. Um, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to you is a 70-yard touchdown or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, if, if they bleed you over four or five minutes, you'd say, okay, you know, you, you knocked off a bunch of the clock. Yeah, it's worst-case scenario. And Jim Nol- yeah, he's got to take the blame. I mean, I'm sure he would tell you that. He makes $2 million a year. I am not as negative about him as others, uh, including some of my good friends and um, some of our normal uh, co-hosts, family members, are are very negative. Um, It's obviously something in his DNA that he believes that's that's who he is. I mean, we've proven that. I thought he did it less. I don't think he's really got the DBs to play as aggressive as what he has. I don't think we're extremely talented in the back end. I feel like a lot of those guys are just guys, right? Like I don't see any of those guys where you say there's so many times in my lifetime. I mean, if I go back to early nineties, even almost late eighties through the few years ago where we always had DBs that you would say that, yeah, that's an NFL player and and almost have always right now in the NFL, we've still got a lot of, of talent. I don't see this group being those players. So, you know, you're being awful aggressive and you don't have the players to do it. It's, it is hard to understand. That's probably the one coaching thing that you could point to. And, um, you know, I'll be interesting. I don't know if Jim Knowles, did he address the media? At I, any point? I didn't watch any of that. As soon as the game ended, I, uh, I turned it yeah. off. But um, you, a lot of my friends were texting me either late Saturday or Sunday. I know you talked to a lot of your friends or watched the game with your friends. Um, and one of the things I texted some of my friends is they just have to get better players. Yeah. It's easy to, to blame the coaching. Um, Which they, they did yesterday. Commit. Uh, uh, from Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Supposedly he's great. Safety. Very good player, supposedly. Yeah. But I'm not even looking at – well, I'll take good safeties too. But I'm looking more for corners is where I'm going. Is that um, my two biggest concerns after the Michigan game were the psyche of the team, which looked fine in the looked game. Looked good. And then how do I hide the corners? That's a hard position to hide. I think I said that on the last podcast. And, you know, the other team sees that they're you – know what they're doing. They Especially see that, a team that can run the ball like Georgia. They're really – I mean, they're always hard to hide. Yeah, I mean, cor- corners are hard to hide. They're especially hard to hide when Georgia starts leaning on you in the run game. It seemed like to me as that game went on, Georgia was really starting to chunk us on the ground. Is that true? Yeah. It felt like there was some 10, 12-yard gains, and that's where – you know, you're in consternation of where how you're playing your safeties. Are they in the run fits? Or are they, you know, helping stay in, you know, more zone? I think certainly the, the answer should have been that we were we were in a looser situation and make people snap the ball. They have to get better talent on the, on the back end. Uh, they had to tackle better. You know, they didn't tackle that well. I thought yeah. missed tackles started hurting us late that in hurt, the game. That hurt too, but they need to get better coverage talent. And – uh, it wasn't nearly as bad as the Michigan game, but and and I thought Cam Brown, by the way, a corner had a pretty good game. But you know, Burke got beat. Uh, the game went game winning touchdown. Um, Ransom got beat on the the long one. I think Ransom's a pretty good player, actually. That was just you know a kind of a tip your hat to Georgia. They took advantage of the break and away they go for I think it was like seventy six yards. But the other thing is, which I know you you probably want to talk about, and I didn't ask you this before the show, so this is all live TV, so to speak, even though it's a podcast. There, there's the um, 
would be the injuries and then the targeting call. Injuries are part of the game, but boy, the the Buckeyes had <laughs> they had their share of bad luck. They really they got like maybe I don't know twenty plays out of Smith and Jake by the whole season. Yeah, the injuries piled up. Uh, I mean, uh, Henderson didn't play at all. Stover played maybe a little over a quarter, a quarter ish. And then when they lost, the game changer to me was the the Harrison injury. I know a lot of Buckeye fans don't like the targeting situation, but even if uh, I'm going to give you a weird scenario, Stroud just throws the ball ten feet higher, which he's not supposed to, but it's like so high nobody can catch it. Thus, Harrison doesn't get hit. I think the Buckeyes win the game. Well, you'd certainly like to have Marvin Harrison on those last three plays before the field goal. You know, if there was a time where you really missed him, it's when you're trying to get a 50-yard field goal to be 40-ish. And, you know, they they ran the ball there on first down, which a lot of people complained about that. I groaned because it didn't work. (laughs) That's kind of the fan in me. But at the end of the day, they they were facing zero. I heard Day talk about it. Georgia was in zero coverage. It's a decent place to catch them. Chink you know, five, six yards off, and all of a sudden that field goal is a lot more manageable. Didn't work. Um, you know, their D-line was starting to wear on us a little bit, which I thought we played really well up front. But certainly there's some talent uh, on that Georgia D-line. And those last two play calls, you know, I don't really remember exactly what Second we did. Second down was a thrust slant to Xavier Johnson. Oh, like we tried to force it in there. Yeah, the, guy, the defender kind of batted the ball. Away. Yeah, and that's, you know, I mean, what do you do? And – you know, but the, yeah, those injuries, the Kate Stover injury to me, I could almost argue it hurt us more than Marvin because at least with Marvin, we had a lead and, you know, we had, we still had an opportunity. It felt to me, and I'd be curious to go back and, and watch or, or read up on people that have that broke down the film. It felt like we got very um, limited formationally after Stover left. You know, Rossi basically played, Royer played some. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like down the stretch it was Rossi. Mm-hmm. And it's, it felt to me, and I, and I may be wrong, it felt to me like Rossi was in a sniff all the time. The sniff is the wing. That's what we call it, it's a sniff. It felt like he was there every time. And it felt like they started to get kind of stale. You know, the thing that Stover brings to the table is he's versatile. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a receiver type. So they play him everywhere. They move him around. It felt to me like they couldn't do that with Rossi. My guess is he doesn't know. I mean, he doesn't play much. It's true. He certainly doesn't play that position. No. And, you know, the Royer, I don't know if they had – I'd be curious to somebody that knows. I don't know if they had a great plan to play without Cade Stover. And they had to play for three quarters without him. And down the stretch is where he really missed it. But Mayan Williams, I mean, hardly played. Played a little bit, limped off. You know, Travion Henderson doesn't play again. It, we, you're talking wide receiver one. Um, for and the two. whole season, wide receiver two towards the end, who's maybe the greatest wide receiver two of all time uh, in Marvin Harrison, tight end one, running back one that was preseason Heisman guy. I mean, people forgotten that about Travion. Running back two, and something's got to I'm sure Georgia has some guys out because I don't yeah, follow them as close. I'm sure there's some dudes, but, man, that's a lot. I, I, that's why I guess I'm positive. I, I get it. I'm disappointed. The one thing I, I guess that disappoints me the most is as a lifelong Buckeye fan, student, graduate, it feels like we've now officially become the program of my lifetime, at least. So let's say the 30-some years I've been following them, I'm 42, we've become officially the program of near miss. It feels like we've had, what, five or six teams now in my lifetime, we'd say, oh, that's the team that should have won it. That's the team that's that was the most talented team in the country or had it won and didn't. I think back to 95. 
I think back to 97 or 98, which one? Um, my years sometimes run together. Um, when we uh, win the Rose Bowl over, that's 97. We beat Arizona State in the Rose 96 Bowl. 96 season. 96 season. Um, what's, what's the one season. where uh, Ty Streets, um, we fall, uh, Sean Springs. 96. It's Sean Springs that falls, 13-9. Yeah. That's 96. So there's a couple seasons in there. 98 was Michigan State at the show. Michigan State, 90. That's the one I'm trying to get to. Yeah, we lose to Michigan State at home. Um, that's Katz and Moyer. Um, I think Eddie's gone by then. He is. Um, it's Peppy Pearson. Then 2015, uh, no doubt 2015 were the best teams. Michigan in the State again. That's the Michigan State debacle, which I was at. I wasn't at the game. I tailgated <laughs> outside with a bunch of Bell Fountain people. I it was, was at the, that game. Some of the worst conditions ever. Yes, it was. Um, it went from a beautiful day of like 50 degrees and sunny to by game time, it was, oh, it was awful. <laughs> And uh, they decided not to give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott that day. And he let him know afterwards. Yeah, 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 a lot of people did. And then, you know, the 20, well, the 2012 season, I know I'm going backwards now. I don't think that team was that great, but we go undefeated. And if Gene Smith hadn't put us on our own bowl band um, to ensure that we could go to the Gator Bowl the year before, which was so weird, um, we go, remember that? We go to the Gator Bowl, and then we self impose the next year. And we go undefeated, and so does Notre Dame. And that's who we'd have played in the national title game. Notre Dame got blown out by Alabama. Yeah, you're right. So it does feel like, man, how many times are we going to do this? We and have one won of the, a couple. One of the top two or three teams in my life what time was 2019, the Clemson loss, which the refs. Yeah, all oh, that one too. But yeah. even if – I'd say this, though. Even if the Bucs beat Clemson, I don't think they beat Joe Burrow and, and LSU in the finals. Well, it have, yeah, that would have been a Could have, but game. my, my – my, my, You're right. My, Felt like LSU was a team of destiny, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> a lot of near misses. And, well, even this this last week, if Ohio State beats Georgia, do you think they beat TCU? Oh, yeah. I mean, never say never, but Georgia's a 13-point favorite. I mean, Vegas thinks that they would beat TCU, I'm sure. I, I would guess we would have been similar, like 11-point faves. What about, and this is totally guessing, but, like, you've been around football for your whole life, really. Harrison and Stover, would they play in the next game? Well, that's a good question. I don't. What I didn't ever hear. What I kind of tuned it out afterwards. I was well, upset. Well, Harrison was in con- con- concussion protocol. Agreed. But what about Stover? He back went to spasms. Hospital. Well, back the, that, the hospital for back spasms. Yeah, they, he went there to get checked out for it. I, so my my guess is he he would play. I don't know about Harrison. Well, yeah, you'd hope. Now Harrison, I did read that Harrison was trying to come back in. He so was. I would guess he wasn't majorly concussed. Now. That brings up a whole nother thing. I mean, you know, we've talked about the fear of mm-hmm. guys opting out and stuff. And I don't have any reason to believe this, but, yeah, there's part of me that watches him do that and say, is this the moment that he and his family say, yeah, we don't need this? I, I doubt it. Because, I mean, Marvin Harrison Sr. understands that guys get hit. I mean, it's not – obviously, we saw it uh, Monday night. Oh, my gosh. Um, just so fluky situation in that Bengals game. Um, still just can't even believe what I saw there. But – you know, again with that, and that's off topic. But that was, it wasn't, it wasn't brutal at all. No. There's nothing brutal about it. I, I'm watching it with my kids, and I don't even think anything of it. Like I was confused as to what I had just seen. Yeah, you're talking about the Bills player, Damler Hamlin, who went down. I thought it was a pretty normal play too. But anyway, so even though the, the Buckeyes lost, you're upbeat about it. Um, they do finish the season with two losses. Um, it was just kind of a strange year. I think a lot of it goes to the uh, injuries. Also, there was a story that came out, I think, maybe a day or two after the loss that Ryan Day is 
most likely, I mean, it's not official yet, as this is still kind of being debated, but most likely not going to call plays anymore. Yeah, I saw that. <clears throat> I would assume Justin Fry, the yeah, O-line that's, coach. That's my guess. You know, the, for the people, that, and I, I've got people very close to me who I love <laughs> that really want Ryan Day fired. And my question is, okay, what are they going to do? So who are we hiring? Mike Vrabel? I mean, he's not doing very well in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. But it, it's so easy to say, okay, well, let's, why don't they fire Jim Harbaugh Two years ago, when he lost five straight to Ohio State, now now Michigan, you know, obviously they're coming off a loss to TCU. It's not as, but a week ago, everybody said Jim Harbaugh was back to being the greatest coach ever. So here we go. You know, that's that's what fans do. Oh, we're winning. Oh, you know, he's the greatest coach. We're losing. Oh, well, let's fire him. <clears throat> obviously, the people making decisions know you can't do that. Now, does Ryan Day have pressure on him? Sure. Yeah, he's got pressure on him. He's the head coach of Ohio State. He's lost two straight to Michigan. I don't think the Georgia game, to me, changes anything. I mean, if you're firing your head coach because he loses on a last-second play to Georgia, the soon-to-be back-to-back champions, I mean, come on. But, yeah, Ryan Day needs to get you know get some positivity going next year, beat Michigan, simple as that. But it's not going to be easy. We're going up to Michigan, right, mm-hmm. back at Michigan. The Buckeyes – now, Michigan loses a lot. Um, Buckeyes lose a lot-ish, um, not as much, but um, – Michigan's doing pretty well in the portal. I don't know that Ohio State's done as well. Michigan does bring back their quarterback. Yeah, which, you know what they say about that. I I don't know if you like him that much. Uh, I mean, all right. Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not Ohio State caliber. No. Would you want him at at Ohio State? No, no. They they have better passers. And and even after he torched the Buckeyes, I still said to you, I think, I don't think he's an elite passer. But that day, that day it worked. What was that day? Yeah, give him credit. He's a, he's, you know, yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Um, He's not an Ohio State caliber player. So that's not a concern to me. Um, My concern is how they're rebuilding again in the trenches. They've definitely graduated a bunch up front. And I've been hearing, I don't know if they're happening or if it's rumors, but O linemen coming uh, in the portal. And, yeah, we talked about Justin Fry. He's probably going to call the plays. Now there's some speculation of Heartline. I don't know about that. That's a big jump for him. Well, I thought of this. I thought of you when this happened because you you were an, a longtime offensive line coach at Bell Fountain High, and you were the play caller. A couple of different times. A couple of different times. I think that the offensive line coach is a huge coach, one of the biggest in the whole team, team any football team. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It's kind of the infrastructure or the foundation of your team. So now he's going to have to do that and call the play. Yeah, I don't love it. I mean, I think that ideally there's a reason that most O-line coaches are no coordinators. I think I'd like to see the statistics in college and the pros. I don't think – well, first of all, the pro guys don't coach a position. But um, I don't think it's typically an O-line guy because it is – you're right. I mean, it's a big job. You have five guys right off jump, and then a lot of times you have six because if you're doing a tight end or a wing back, I mean, they're part of your – so you got over half the offense. And then you got to call the plays, and you just have a lot of in-game stuff, and it's hard to watch – Two, two portions of the field, in the box and then the secondary. Um, it did not work with Ed Warner. You know, Ed Warner's who they promoted I know, I last know. time, and that did not go very well. So I don't love the Justin Fry idea. I hear that he's a really good coach, um, so I'm not, you know. Used to be they, a play caller at UCLA, though, so he's right. done it before. So the, yeah, they're smarter than I am. I, I get that, and I, I think it's good that Ryan Day is thinking outside the box. I do think think that they want to promote that Keenan Bailey. Uh, he's been a long-time yep. kind of quality, I don't know what they call him, not a paid assistant or well, not at least an yeah. official. Yeah. He's a huge recruiter, and they feel pressure to bring him up, I guess. Just a couple other topics, and we'll take a break and get Bofound Girls basketball on here. We're talking Ohio State football with Bofound assistant coach Rick Reed. The targeting 
call or no targeting on Mar Marvin, and then I wanted to ask you what you think of the Buckeye team next year, specifically who will be the quarterback. But first, the targeting call in the uh, in, in the bowl game. I don't have a strong opinion on the targeting. Okay. I was kind of 50-50 on it. I, I get – I can see both sides. Like, yeah. it's a brutal uh, – brutal is maybe excessive, but it's a strong hit. I mean, he it's a harder hit than you normally see nowadays. Um, so I can listen to that as – it's almost like – and I get confused, and I follow it, and I still get confused. What is targeting? I know once you put your head down, it's targeting. I don't think he did that. No. I don't think he put his head down. I don't think he led with his head. No. So now are we talking defenseless receiver? Is that is that how we call I think, it targeting? I think, I think I can get there. I, I'm trying to be new, very objective. Right. And I would also say this. I don't even know if this exists, but that's a good question, I think. If you can't have any targeting, can you call uh, like a personal foul? Like um, I don't even know what the word is. Unnecessary uh, roughness. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you told me that the call was defenseless receiver, which I sometimes struggle with that concept, but I get it. Yeah, I can I can, but did I think it was like clear cut, obvious targeting? Maybe not as much as others, but I was disappointed they didn't call it. Um I thought the out of bounds first down Georgia had late where the guy's arm I felt like ESPN was on the extreme low end of reviews and replays. Now I'm watching it with a group of like thirty people at Putt and Play. We had rented it out. Oh. Um, we had a nice setup there. Cool. But yeah. you know what sometimes when you do that, it's not as easy sitting at your house by yourself. I couldn't hit rewind. It just seemed like we didn't get a, the right view, but I did not think he made it to the first down marker. That call bothered me more. Um, as far as next year, I don't know. I mean, who's the favorite? We're talking McCord and we're talking Brown, right? Yeah. And McCord's the favorite. I would kind of guess. Incumbent, um, as far as he's been the backup. I, you know, I don't know. I don't pretend to know. I don't. Has Ryan Day showed his hand at all in that regard? I don't think so. Except that McCord was the backup. I guess yeah. you base off that. I mean, heck, nowadays, expect the unexpected. Who knows? One of them may transfer. I mean, it really could happen. <laughs> if one of the two thinks he's not starting. I mean, we've seen Quinn Ewers, Tate Martell. <laughs> I mean, guys will transfer. So, whatever we think right now may not be what happens. Do you think they are undefeated going into the Michigan game next year? Got Notre Dame away, and I think they have Wisconsin away. Yeah, against Luke Fickle. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I always think of it if I had to bet. I mean, I think it's probably less than 50%, but not way less. You know, the thing is with Ohio State, somebody told me, well, they'll lose three games next year. And I, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to say, I'll I'll take that bet. Like, when's the last time we lost three games? Oh, long time. Over a decade. Um, yeah. Tress lose three games early on? I don't know if he did late. His first year he did. Definitely his first year, yeah. seven and five. And then maybe one other time, like 04, we played in the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, but after that, maybe he didn't. I mean, so maybe, um, you know, it, once they get past next year, then you just have to be in the top 12. And it kind of changes things a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You like George over TCU? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'll be rooting for TCU. Not hard. I mean, I don't really care, but I kind of like TCU. It's hard not to like that quarterback. Okay. He seems pretty authentic. That's, Except that's, Bennett, not so much. I don't, I don't know about him. He seems kind of manufactured, like in a Hollywood. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. TCU's gritty. Yeah. Um, Michigan made a lot of errors in that game. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I, we went to dinner, so uh, you got to go to dinner on New Year's Eve. But uh, Coach Mossbarger, Coach Dalton Mossbarger, had his phone and he had a prop, so we the guys were able to kind of we were watching, but we were it wasn't a very quality feed cool. and we got to see the end when we got uh, to the place. Rick will catch up next week.
All right, Tips. Thanks. Take a break. Come back with more Cheap and Roll Calls. Bill Found Girls Basketball right after this. This is Trey Daring at Eichholz Daring and Sanford Funeral Homes and Cremation Center. We are committed to providing professional, tailored funeral and cremation services at affordable pricing. We are part of a community of caring individuals, friends, and neighbors who consider it a privilege to serve you in your time of need. We are proud to be locally owned and operated. Our family serving your family since 1903. Go Chiefs! Foresight Insurance and Financial Services is a locally owned and operated financial services provider for the state of Ohio, focusing our efforts on serving the residents of Logan County and surrounding counties. We are located at 1653 U.S. 68 North Baffin. Foresight can help you with all your retirement needs. We specialize in assisting with pension options. We also offer business planning, charitable gifting strategies, as well as life and health insurance. Call today at 937-595-5002. Foresight Insurance and financial services in the business of planning life. Hello, this is Luke Varner from Easton Water Solutions. How is your water? Does your water need improved? Put my 23 years of experience to work for you. Give me a call today, Luke Varner, Easton Water Solutions, 592-8379. Here at Realty, we value our clients and provide quality, professional services to Logan County and surrounding areas. Founded in 1988, our company prides itself on unique experiences that you can only find with us. Our area knowledge and negotiating expertise helps buyers and sellers achieve their goals. When you buy or sell with Royer Realty, you can use our moving truck free. Royer Realty, Roll Colts, presented by Eastern Water Solutions on South Main and Bell also put together by the Chieftain Backers, a new club of Bell Fountain High School. And if you're a first-time watcher of Chieftain Roll Call, we spotlight Bell Fountain student organizations and different athletic teams, too. And here is girls basketball. Head coach Megan Ashcraft, back in the day known as Megan Casey, a Bell Fountain grad, and was a very, very, very accomplished player. Now in her third year leading the Lady Chiefs. Right now, Bell Fountain's varsity girls are 7-6, and six, coming off a big win against uh, Wapakoneta. Tuesday night, we also have a couple of players, Lexi Robinson and Parker Penorwood, both are junior girls. I don't think we have a senior that plays on the team, so it's a young team. Coach, uh, what do you what do you make out of your team right now? You know, about two thirds of the way through here. Last night was a good was a good game for us. We um, we accomplished a lot last night in the way of growth um, because we talked about a lot of doing all the little things in games. Um, playing all four quarters, not starting out strong or and finishing, you know, not strong, obviously, or coming out in the first quarter, not playing second, coming out in the third, not playing wait till the fourth quarter when we're already behind. And last night they played four full quarters of ball last night and they played team ball. Um, I think that as far as our record goes, I don't really think it indicates who we are. Um, we, we lost several close games um, for that reason of not playing four complete mm -hmm. quarters. Um, so... We still are working to get through that, um, getting that mindset down that you need to play for four quarters and you need to play together. And, you know, not having that senior leadership on the floor has really impacted us more than, honestly, only being in three years head coaching. Um, I have not coached a year without a senior um, or at least two or three seniors. So it, it, it's, it's definitely an, it impacts your team more than you think it does. Well, that's that's understandable. I think any coach would say that. But right now, your team is seven and six. Mm -hmm. You beat Wapakoneta Tuesday night, forty nine thirty six at 
Well, Fountain High, the Chiefs outscored the Redskins every quarter, but I think maybe the third quarter. So you pretty much controlled the game. What do you? How would you describe your team for those that are listening to our show or watching our show? And you know what kind of a team it is if they haven't been to a game yet? Is it a quick team, skilled team, big team? How would you describe this year's Chieftain team? Well, okay, so it, that's a complex thing. Um, <laughs> we've done a lot of talking about that. The way I would describe our team, the the team that I see every day in practice, the team that I see that that's able to go out on that floor every single day and, and play against teams is a script is a scrappy, gritty, skilled team. We don't have a lot of size on our team, but we are very fast. Um, we play really good defense. We play lockdown defense uh, when we're locked in. Um, we are young, so that keeps us at times from doing accomplishing the little things on the floor that we want to accomplish, but we are strong. We rebound the ball well. Um, we do play well together for the most part, um, but – Man, that's, it's tough because we have not actually until last night seen the team that I know we can be. So as of last night, that team that I know we can be was fast. They were gritty. They, they took punches. They, they played a very gritty Walpock team, which is always very tough. I mean, they outsized us. Um, their girls, their bigger girls were definitely um, taller than us and just as agile, really. And, and they, had a lot, they have a lot of athletic ability. Um, Match-wise, we were smaller. We were the smaller team. But their fight in them that I know that they have won that game for them. Sounds like you back in the day. Kind, <laughs> kind of. of like I'm, I'm. You know, I, I everybody's different, but I would love to see these girls because they have the ability to do that. Yeah, well, it's still growing. I mean, they yes. they are a young team. I know yes. the coaches don't like to hear that, yes. but uh, um, I would say they've been maybe just following scores up and down. And what I mean by that is you beat Wapakoneta kind of Tuesday, first time you've beaten them since the Chiefs started playing them. And, in 2012, so it's been a tough, tough series until this week. But then over break, you go to Marion Pleasant, and I don't know how good their team is, but the Chiefs lost by 19. So, you know, those are, I think, back-to-back -back games. What do you make – does that kind of summarize the season somewhat? Up and down, yes, it does. One, you, What we talked about last week was what was predictable about the team is the unpredictability of the team. Um, and that comes from not their ability to play basketball or their skill set. Um, it comes from just being young and, and learning to play together um, when we have two sophomores on the team and the rest are juniors, learning to play together without that senior leadership or that person on the floor saying, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do. You get over here, you get over there, calling the plays, you know, repeating the plays that the coaches are calling. Um, at times, those young minds can get kind of sporadic and crazy on the floor and somebody not somebody's not there to rein them in. Um, so, yes, last week we played completely opposite than we played last night. Okay. Mary Pleasant's a, a good team. They're a scrappy team. They have skilled girls, and they can shoot the ball outside. Um, but that score should not have been the way it was. All right. Beat Urbana, which yes. that's a team that uh, you lost to in the tournament last year, yep. close. Mm -hmm. And this year you beat them in the regular season, close. Is that one of your big wins of the season? It was, yes. That was, I mean, coming right out the gates, that's what we wanted to accomplish. Obviously, West Liberty was not a good game. That was not a good start for us. I'm not even quite sure what team showed up on the floor that day. Um, but coming back and beating Urbana – was definitely a highlight for us. Okay. Losing to them twice last year and one being well, the that's tournament true. team. Yeah. Yes, so that was season. huge for us. And that was something that they set a goal to do, and they did it, and they played well in that game. Even though you don't have any seniors, who would you have as uh, – if you had to pick two or three leaders of your team, who would who would you pick out? Well, I mean, Lexi, sitting right here, obviously she's been starting for me since her freshman year. She's been a starter on this team, so she legitimately has the most experience. And um, – you know, last year was a kind of a 
up and down season for her this year, it's been, you know, just her finding herself and trying to be that leader. She's working very hard to figure out how to be that leader. And with the help of me, obviously, and the other coaches, uh, we're trying to guide her in that way. And she really has stepped up these last few weeks. Um, the other one would be, I look, you know, somebody I overlooked, and I'm just being honest, I overlooked at the start of the season, and it quickly came to me, is Parker. Because Parker's my girl that um, she's started, she's just recently started in the gotten starting lineup for us. Um, but what she brings to the table is she's a question asker and she is very, um, she nails it down for you. Like if you're saying something, she will say something about, do you want this or do you want this? She's very, you know, she's very, um, she nails it down for everybody. And she, she really asks really good questions. But yet when she gets on the floor, she's smooth. And she keeps, she's kind of like that calming effect on the floor because we have two other guards that are sophomores, point guard, sophomore, Tiffany Gates, a sophomore, Quinn Lund's the other sophomore. And then you have Parker, who's our backup point guard. But when she's on the floor as that third guard, she, she keeps them kind of in check. And I kind of overlooked that. And now she's been a very surprising thing for us. Not a surprise in that way, but it's been surprising. Um, kind of surprised I overlooked it, to be honest with you, but. Who's your other high school coaches? I have my sister, uh, Michelle Bedeker, as the JV coach. Um, Abby Boop um, is my assistant. This assistant to the program. And then Randy Varner is an assistant to the program. And then Brad Rader. And they've been with me since I started. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of people know your, your sons mm -hmm. around Bow Fountain High. <laughs> Daniel Ashcraft, who's a graduate. And then Sullivan Ashcraft, who's a senior. So you didn't have any daughters, but yet you're a girls basketball coach. Mm -hmm. What's that? Well, we, we are glad that you are, but, you know, you don't have that direct tie-in. You're not a teacher at the school, so what makes you want to do this? I love the game. You know, the, the, the past that I have with basketball and my experience, it was not something that I loved to do when I, let's say, a freshman or sophomore. It wasn't my love. Um, hmm. But I think that when you have a coach that comes in our junior year and he buys into what we're doing and what we want to be, um, and who we want to be, and he believed in us, and he let us just be us on the floor, um, with a little bit of structure, obviously, but I mean, it was tough, but Coach Furlong uh, really brought the best out in all of us as far as basketball goes, and um, we had very two very successful seasons, and I learned to love the game, and, you know, then went to Wittenberg and played, um, and I got a year there, but, you know, I came back, I moved back here, and I ran into uh, Brian Hogan, who was coach at the time, years ago when I started in 14, I think it was, as the JV coach, and he just approached me one day and asked me when I was going to be ready to help him coach. <laughs> and I said, any day, and called me right away. And so he kind mm. of brought me back. And at first it was weird because I'd been away from it for so long, but I always watched it. I always followed, you know, obviously the Buckeyes and I, I you know, Cavaliers and things like that. I watched basketball a lot on TV. Um, but, you know, when I got back on here, I just kind of fell right back into place and I felt like I belonged. And I actually, you know, every year I developed more and more love for this game and the fact that I don't have daughters I really average about 16 to 18 daughters every year so I'm, well that is that's well put you know I, I know that you played for coach furlong and uh, you were on maybe the best two-year stretch in Bell Fountain high school history your junior year the team went to the final four senior year maybe lost two games I think it was so you know senior year two or three we lost two two okay so some very very high accomplishing seasons Anybody, anybody that was that's a mentor to you uh, when you look back, or that you just try to emulate as a coach, might not be might be somebody that's not from Belfound. It might be a coach of the a women's basketball team somewhere. Um, well, you know, I, 
in the beginning, you want to say, of course, of course, it's you know Coach Furlong because he did things that a lot of coaches wouldn't do. He allowed us just to be us. And I, I, as a girls' team back you know 20 years ago, 25 years, he just let us be us. And he structured us and he taught us how to how to work together. But yet he coached with an iron fist and he he was tough on us and we were able, I mean, he got the best out of us by doing that. And um, I respect him a lot for that. Um, him and I, you know, went to went head to head a couple times, but it's because we both had so much passion for what we were doing. And um, I think he realizes that now. And I talk to him often. He comes to our games when we travel that way where he lives now. And, um, you know, I've texted with him a few times and, you know, I talk to him a lot and I, and I just, I share stories with him and he tells me things and he gives me wise words, but also coach Sanford, you know, he was around when yeah. I first started coaching and that brought back a lot of memories for me, but he helped that, he helped me with that transition so well. I mean, it was such a, he did, he's such a, he's such a good coach and he has so much knowledge and he's so quiet. So I'm not sure how many people know how much knowledge he really has, but he has a lot and these girls absolutely love him, you know, and he still sticks around now. Um, you know, I always liked Pat Summit, obviously. Went through oh. a little course of hers a couple years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then in here recently, different stages in your life, you find different people that mentor you in different ways. And when I took over, Trey Huntsman with the Huntsman AAU organization stepped in and helped me to kind of mold a, car, a culture that we that we need here. We need it within the program. And so that helped me out a lot recently. Well, let's talk about the players, and we'll talk about a couple upcoming games. It's mm -hmm. uh, Chieftain Roll Call, Belfound Girls Basketball. Megan Ashcraft is with is with us. She's the third year head coach. Lexi Robinson, who's a junior player. Parker Penorwood, a junior player. Coach, we'll maybe talk about both girls, what they bring to the basketball team, but then other also what maybe people don't know about them off the floor. Oh, Lexi. <laughs> Lexi brings experience, obviously. But I mean, Lexi's tough. She's so tough. She's not overly tall, obviously. Um, what are you, five five eleven? Five eight. Five eight yeah. <laughs> but, well, when we introduce her, it's five eleven. So you always okay. have to well, kind of stretch. pad that a little bit. Yeah. Stretch. So, but she plays like she's six foot at times, you know. And she, she still. I really think that the last three years that she's been playing, she has been that part of that core of the team, because as Lexi goes, the team grows. Okay. Yes, and um, I think that uh, the more that she grows in that aspect the better that this team, we're just going to get better and better. And I think she's a great role model for the younger girls on the team. Play like a four or five position? She, she'll play both, but mainly a four. She plays the high post area. Yeah. She's got a great little turnaround um, drive to the bucket. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. she's got a great little jumper. She doesn't use it enough, but she's got it. Um, and she just goes hard. She goes hard. She'll play, she'll play the entire 32 minutes of the game without a break. I mean, she never stops going. Okay. And Parker, uh, like a, t a two, two guard? Backup point guard and then two guard, yes. Okay. Yes. What's she bring to the team? And then what's she what's she like off the floor? Oh, well, Parker's our, <laughs> our question girl. She asks a lot of questions. Love that about her, though. I really do. Um, Parker brings the calmness to the floor. Um, she has a little bit of growth to do, but she knows that, and she works on it every single day. Um, there's just certain things that she does that she could be better at. She's got a great shot. She's got to learn the confidence. Um, in that shot, and uh, I think as the games go, her confidence has gotten better and better, and she's she's filled that three, you know, that two spot really well for us, and um, she's starting to gel with the girls, but she brings that calmness, and off the floor, she's she's Parker. I mean, any, every, almost everybody knows Parker, but 
Um, and everybody knows Lexi too. But these girls have great personalities. And they're super sweet people. They're great student athletes. They get good, great grades. They're great role models for anybody. Let's talk to them. Here's Lexi Robinson. She is a junior. Her uh, sister, you may know too, who does not play basketball, great older is Jocelyn Robinson. She's a senior at Bell Fountain High. But Lexi, what year did you take up uh, basketball? Ooh, um, uh, maybe first grade, second oh, grade. Oh, long, long time ago. You yeah, were... I started playing upwards when, I mean, as soon as I could. Okay. All right. What do you enjoy about basketball? I just like practices are tough sometimes, you know, just getting up and going. Um, so that makes me, you know, it's hard to do that. But I mean, winning a game and being with your team and just growing that bond makes everything worth it. I mean, when you get tired and you have to run and you think, oh, well, this is the end of the world. I mean, as soon as you go out on the court and you're with your team and you're just you're getting to experience that, it makes everything worth it. Okay. What do you think of the season to this point? Um, I think that the closer we get to the end of the season, I think we're playing together a lot more. I think especially last night we showed that. Um, we're getting a lot closer even off the court. And I think the beginning of the season, like she said, we've been up and down a lot. But I think what we need to work on as a team is taking those ups and just running with it, not you know, going back, not reminiscing on our old games. We just have to keep moving forward. We've been talking a lot about turning the page to the next step in, in our growth and not turning the page to the past. Don't go backwards. Anything else you do at the school other than girls basketball? Um, I play soccer. I do track. Um, Dad would be a well-known teacher, coach here, Jim Robinson, longtime assistant track coach. People call him J-Rob. But does he – I know he has a passion for sports, but does he talk to you much about the game or, or things he sees? Yeah, he's one of the um, biggest role models I've had with basketball. He didn't – he's always played, but he never really played in high school. Um, but ever since I started playing, he's always been the person that, you know, gives me that talk after the game. Whether I did good or bad, he'll tell me. Um, on the way home from games, I, I have to ride with him because he has to tell me what I need to do. Um, he's been announcing the games um, since I was in middle school, and I would always go there with him and sit up there and just watch. And every time he would be done announcing, he would tell me, like, you see this, like, you're watching this, like, this is going to be you someday. Oh. And now that I'm thinking back on that, um, it's crazy to think that now I'm here and we were watching that together. He's always been, you know, the, one of the biggest role models in my life. And he, I mean, he won't admit it, but... This is his favorite sport of mine to watch, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I cool. mean, besides track, because that's a given. He's my coach. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is he, are you a thrower in track, then? Yes. All right. Parker Penorwood is here, too. She is a junior and a guard, point guard or, or a shooting guard. Mm -hmm. What year did you start playing basketball? I started playing basketball in seventh grade. Seventh grade? Yeah. Okay, so quite a bit after, after Lexi. Yeah. What do you, what do you enjoy about it? Um... Just about everything. I mean, yeah, there's ups and downs, but there's ups and downs to everything in life. I mean, basketball is just, I mean, it's always there. There's nothing you can go wrong with it. Have, have you seen the team grow much the last a couple months? Yeah, definitely. I still think that we have more to do, but I definitely think we've grown a lot. Coach Ashcraft, and this is before your time, but was very fiery <laughs> as a player. And a very good player, too. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if she tells that to the girls, but a very good player. Does she uh, – is she a fiery coach? Um, Sometimes, but I would say she – it's always for the right 
state of mind. It's always to get us better. It's always in our, you know, just helping us out, making sure we understand. And okay. Stuff like that. Any other activities you do at Bell Fountain High? I play soccer and I did track. Oh, so you're you spending a lot <laughs> yeah. of time relaxing. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Coach, let's turn turn our page to uh, the rest of the week, Thursday, at Waynesville Goshen for a non-leaguer, then Saturday, Kenton Ridge, uh, home for a league game. What do you know about those two opponents? It, to be honest with you, I don't – it's unfortunate, but um, I don't know a lot about Waynesville Goshen. Okay. Um, they, you know, it, you would think in this day and age that we would be able, be able to get lots of information on them, but I have been unable to get that. Um I, I have tracked them. I have watched them. The girls know girls that play there. So, you know, we've kind of formulated a plan. Obviously, we worked on that today in practice. Um, I look for them to come and play hard. I look for them to play a tough man-to-man defense against us, which is fine because we play well against a man-to-man defense. But I do challenge the girls because I don't think it's always, you know, back when I played, it was never, we didn't have all the technology we have now and the ability to scout teams the way that we do now. We sure as Heck, as kids, didn't get to watch film. So we just went with what our coaches tell us and um, guard this girl and deny this girl and don't let her do this. So I think it's good for these girls to have a game where we may not know a whole lot about Well, that's true. Get out there and just play basketball. Let loose and play basketball. Do your, do your job. Play as a team. Talk to each other. And just play the game. And it, it'll be a good outcome for you because I know the capability of this team. I know it. Um, so that's kind of how we're rolling with tomorrow night, which I think is okay. You know, I don't really want to look past that uh, to Saturday, but KR has always been, you know, they've been up and down this year or these past three or four years. Um, but this year they have a couple scores, and, and we are already kind of formulating a plan for them as well. So I think they're definitely winnable games for us, and I look to want to know each, each night. I would say the Lady Chiefs are favored. Now the Waynesville Goshen principal is Brian Hogan. He probably won't give you any – Trade secrets, but <laughs> yeah, I know true. you said that. So I'm just putting that <laughs> That's out there. True. So, oh my gosh. Former Bowfound Girls I'm coach. An idiot. So, <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> so I don't know that he can say much about Waynesville Goshen because that's, that's where awesome. he works. But, uh, and then uh, after that, uh, well, I guess we should talk a little bit about the CBC before we wrap up our, mm-hmm. our show. You know, I guess it's been kind of kind of up and down for your team, I would say. Uh, there's been some, some big moments, some close losses, and then I know Tecumseh got you by at least by the final score, by 20. He lost mm-hmm. to Alder, I think, by by one. What do, you, what do you make out of your CBC results so far? Alder should have been a game we won. Um, you know, we talk a lot about free throws will win you games, ladies. And, you know, we're rolling at 72, 73, 86% from the free throw line that game we were like. So not a good game to drop in your free throw percentage, obviously. But at the same time, we didn't play four quarters quarters you know we fought back and scraped back at the end and that's we got it that close but sometimes it's just not good enough you know so that was not that game was a winnable game we look forward to you know to the next one obviously because we're going to get that one um Tecumseh they're always going to be tough they have four great seniors um but the end score for that one was not indicative of our game you know we we went on like a little foul frenzy at the end of that game and and they'll shoot their free throws so is Tecumseh maybe the at least at this point the favorite to win the Kenton Trail? I would think so. Yes, I would oh. think so. Um, we'd like to have a little bit to do with uh, them getting a loss this year when we when they come here in a couple weeks. Um, but yes, I would say so at this point. And who's the best team you played so far? I would say all around team that we've played so far. Tecumseh, 
Tecumseh for sure. Okay. Yeah. North Union's right there, but they really only had one or two girls. Tecumseh's got four that score for them and play hard. Okay. So I would say them. Okay. Any goals you have in mind to wrap it up for the, the season, uh, you know, league-wise, uh, overall record-wise, postseason-wise, any goals you have? Sure. Um, the goals that we work for every single day, which is, you know, obviously grow. And, you know, I, we did, you stated earlier that we won the first time against Walpock um, last night since we started playing them years ago. I would love to see these girls accomplish their goals of beating JA for the first time since they've come into the league. Mm -hmm. I would love to see them um, get that win against Tecumseh. Um, I, I would love to see them play the way they played last night and, and fix the couple little things that we still need to work on and run the table. I mean, obviously, that's always our goal. Um, I think it's doable. Um, we just have to keep convincing them that it's doable um, and getting them to believe in themselves and their team or keeping them believing in themselves and their team. Um, obviously, I, for the, for the postseason, um, get past that first game. You know, the last couple of years, we've been set up nicely to, with teams that we could win against. Um, and we've been fortunate because our record wasn't the greatest. Um, so we were fortunate that I was able to get the draws that I got. And, you know, we just haven't put together that first game win. And, you know, last year was really close. That was a heartbreaker. Um, but that's a goal this year. We're going to get past that first win. Okay. Coach, thanks for coming out. Sure. i got to ask you a football question. Your sure. son, Sullivan Ashcraft, <laughs> does, he have any, uh, does he have any college plans, or that's still kind of pending? It's still pending. Um, he's, he's going on a couple visits here okay. here soon um, to Ashland and Marietta, so we're just going to keep keep working on that. Right now, he's been focused on recovering from his knee surgery, which is coming along nicely. Um, he should be ready for track. Um, and then he just had another surgery the other day, so he's recovering from that one as well. Um, so we figure by the end of this week, he'll be ready to start working on the plans for the future. <laughs> We're getting there little by little. <laughs> has a, has we didn't know rough, we had so many problems. Rough few months. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, obviously I as a mom and a competitor would, and, and knowing how much he's grown over the last couple of years in football, I would love to see him. So would his dad. You know, his friends, I've had many of his friends ask me. Um, I would love to see him go on, and I think he would too and play football because I think he really loves the sport. I know he really loves the sport. I know he's missing playing out playing basketball right now. He's missing not having something to do after school. He misses that team camaraderie. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be what he's comfortable doing. Yeah. I will not push him in a direction. It's got to be what he wants because obviously they won't succeed if we push too hard. So. Yeah, well, it'll it'll all work out in the next few months. It will. I know it will. Coach, make good, the right good luck Thursday at Waynesfield <laughs> Goshen. You. Thank you. And uh, Lexi, enjoy the rest of your season. Thank you. Parker, good luck the rest of the way. All right, thanks to Parker Penovard, junior guard with the Lady Chiefs, Lexi Robinson, who's a junior forward and head coach Megan Ashcraft. Thanks to Rick Reed, who was on our show earlier. And this is Chieftain Roll Call, presented by Easton Water Solutions, and it's put together by the Chieftain Backers. We come at you every week from the WBCS studios. For all of our guests, I'm Bill Simple saying have a good week. Mm -hmm.